Ah, fantastic. Good morning. I just need a second. I've been drumming and running around and I just need a second to catch my breath. See what I did there? You know, we get busy, don't we? We get busy. There's lots of things to do and there's lots of things to spend your time on and, uh, and it gets exhausting. Sometimes you get through a year and you think, where did that year go? That's what happened when I finished school and I took a year off and I said, I'm going to work for a year and save up some money. I didn't, I didn't so much say, where did the year go? I sort of said, where did all that money go? <laughs> but uh, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, catching your breath. We're talking about the fourth commandment about the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, the Sabbath to me has always been, uh, it's always baffled me because the Sabbath is kind of like the forgotten commandment. It's, it, you know, the shops are all open on Sunday, life just goes on, and, and I know that people like the idea of rest, but how often does it actually happen for us? You know, something comes up and before you know it, it's, well, I'll rest next week. You know, imagine if we did that with uh, some of the other commandments, like adultery, for instance. Like, uh, sweetie, I love you, but uh, something's come up. Uh, I've had an opportunity <laughs> and, uh, and I'll do the adultery commandment next week. But for this week, I'm just going to take a week off and I'll just take a break from adultery. What about murder? Oh, look, normally I follow the do not murder commandment, but this week there's been some unforeseen circumstances and I simply had to disobey. <laughs> the Sabbath is this peculiar forgotten commandment. David, would you mind just bringing that a little closer so I can have the water? Fantastic. You know, Jesus, <coughs> the interesting thing is Jesus didn't reinforce the Sabbath. And that's why I think we have the attitude we have. But he did make it clear that the Sabbath was for the sake of the people. You see, the religious people of the time had added all of these extra rules to the Sabbath. They'd made it extremely complicated. And, uh, and the, the extra rules were a little bit redundant. And so for us today, the rules of the Sabbath no longer apply, but the principle of the Sabbath remains the same. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. If you've got your Bible, would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. We're going to read this together, and it's going to be up on the screen for your earliest convenience. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Who's the Sabbath day de dedicated to? The Lord. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living with you among you. So, so that means parents uh, shouldn't make their children work on the Sabbath. So that means no homework on the Sabbath. No vacuuming on the Sabbath. And teenagers, uh, the kids have gone out, but teenagers 
you're welcome to play that card. You're welcome to say, Mum and Dad, I'm dedicating this day to the Lord. <laughs> and I am not doing any work today. However, if you choose to play that card, you had better pull your socks up on the other six days of the week to make sure there is no work to do on the Sabbath. And all the parents said, Amen. <laughs> it goes on. For in six days... The Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So we are created in God's image. And here he's saying, hey, I took a day off. Now you take a day off. Yeah, some people have to work on a Sunday. That's unavoidable. For instance, the emergency services. I'm glad that not the whole emergency services department takes a day off on Sunday, all at the same time, so that we, you ring up the ambulance service, there's just one person on the other end who's a sinner and disobeying the Sabbath law, and they're saying, oh, I'm sorry, yes, no, I'll send you an ambulance at your earliest convenience, it will be there in about 17 hours. Terrible. Emergencies, pastors, pastors have to work on a Sunday, otherwise we can't come and worship. The principle of the Sabbath is not all about the day. It's about having six days of work and one day of no work. So if you're an emergency services personnel, perhaps you can do your Sabbath day on another day. <coughs> Have you ever asked yourself, well, why did God take a day off anyway? Uh, he's God, right? So he can do anything. Some of us think that we're a little bit like God and we think, well, I can keep working on the seventh day. Why couldn't God keep just working on the seventh day? Maybe he could have made the world a little bit better. <laughs> what good are the six days of creation if you don't have the seventh day to enjoy creation? What good are your six days of work if you don't have a chance to enjoy what you're working for? There's a rich businessman, and he's walking along the beach, and he's disturbed to see a fisherman sitting beside his boat, relaxing in the sun. Why aren't you out there fishing, he asks. The fisherman says, well, because I've caught enough fish for today. Why don't you go and catch more than you need, he says. Well, what would I do with them? Well, you could earn more money and buy a better boat so that you could go deeper and catch even more fish. You could buy nylon nets and catch even more fish and make more money so that soon enough you'd have a whole fleet of boats and be rich like me. Then the fisherman asks, well, then what would I do? Then the businessman says, well, you could sit down and enjoy life. The fisherman looks placidly out to sea and says, what do you think I'm doing now? Some of us, we work so hard that we miss out on what we're working for. Some of us feel like unless we're busy, we are wasting our time. Some of us believe that our work defines who we are and our worth is found in what we do and not who we are. And so to the people who buy into that lie, a day away from work is worthless. Dorothy Bass said this, slaves cannot take a day off. Free people can. Which one are you? Can you take a day off? 
or are you enslaved? The Sabbath is for our benefit. It's not a burden. It helps us get more out of life. So there's three ways that we can apply the principle of the Sabbath that we're going to go through together this morning. Number one, if you're taking notes, is learn to rest. Number one, learn to rest. If we work hard, then we appreciate our rest more. If we rest well, then our work will improve. Taking time away from all of our doing allows us to reflect and recognize what actually needs to be done. You see, this one's for Justine if she's listening online. We're like cyclists. We're head down, pedaling furiously at the road. But taking a break allows us to stop pedaling, pick up a map, and figure out where we're actually going. You see, we're, we're kind of like most good technology. The iPhone is, is a well-designed piece of technology, and it runs very well. But after some time, things start to go a little bit haywire. It might start to slow down. You've got all these apps open. You've got your iPhone trying to think about all these things all at once. Sometimes it doesn't matter how good the technology is designed. You just need to turn it off and on again. You need to give it a rest. We need to learn to rest. We have to learn to rest, A, rest our bodies. We need to stop the work that we do during the week and rest. Some of us need to learn to sleep enough, just to get enough sleep. I was at a men's conference once, and one of the whole sessions was all about getting enough sleep. They were talking about, well, how much sleep do you need? Figure out how much sleep is the ideal amount of sleep for you, and make sure you sleep that, in, that amount. They were saying that many men fall into poor life circumstances because they make poor decisions when they're tired. I mean, that's such a practical and simple thing. But you can imagine, can't you? If you know the principles of God, you know, well, I shouldn't be going to that bar or to that place where I can perhaps have a look at some people that I shouldn't be looking at or, or flirting with someone I shouldn't be. But if you're there and you're tired, your willpower is reduced. And so you're actually putting yourself in a position of danger. And so it's important that we figure out how much sleep do we need. B, we need to learn to, uh, sorry, we must learn to recharge our emotions. Has anyone got young children or has had young children? You would know that young children hate going to bed. But we know that if children don't go to bed and get their proper amount of rest, then they'll be difficult to live with the next day. Am I right? Some of you haven't been taking your day off and now you're difficult to live with. <laughs> How do we recharge our emotions? Number one, quietness. You can just take a moment to just stop. Just let the calm flow over you. You see, life can be so busy and loud. Sometimes we need to take some time out to recharge our emotions. 
Maybe you need to put away your technology when you have a meal with somebody. Put your phone away, put your iPad away, turn your... Did you know, <coughs> can I steal your thunder for a second, Nathan, and just do some gadget coaching? If you have an iPhone, if you swipe up from the bottom of the screen, there's a little circle icon, second from the left, and, and it's got a moon symbol. That's called, do not disturb. So if somebody, if you're in, have you ever been in one of those group message chats and some people in the chat just have way too much time on their hands and your phone's sitting there, you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and it just will not stop. And, and then you go back, you think it must be important, they're talking lots. You go back, they're not talking about anything important, it's just rubbish, it's rubbish. So flick on your Do Not Disturb, maybe have a date with your family, have a date with your wife or your husband, sit down, have a meal together. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. Nathan's texting me. So <laughs> swipe up from the bottom, Do Not Disturb. Oh, excuse me, it's fourth from the left, second from the right, the moon symbol. Thanks, Nathan. We need to learn to be renewed spiritually. You see, many people, their spirits are running on empty. Worship renews our spirit like sleep renews our body. If God has something to say to you, to give to you, when would he do it? What time of day? What time of the week? When would he do that? If not on the Sabbath, then when? Are you giving him an opportunity to minister to you? God loves all of us and he wants to be in relationship with all of us. You know, I think sometimes when people feel like they're closer to God than others, it's not because God has become closer to them, it's because they've opened themselves up more to God. They've given him more opportunity to speak into their life. You see, there's this natural rhythm to creation. The earth has a rhythm. It rotates, and so we can predict when the sun's going to come up. We can predict the seasons because the seasons have a rhythm. The moon has a rhythm. The tides have a rhythm. We are created to have a rhythm. It's as if the whole world is... is playing a symphony, and it's all playing together with one beat, with one rhythm. And we're all designed to be a part of that piece of music. On a Sunday morning, <coughs> what you don't realize is that we're all wearing earphones on the worship team. And in those earphones, we can hear things that you can't hear. We can hear the rhythm of the world, the beat of creation, of this music. You can't hear it. You're just like, wow, they all stay in time. Or sometimes you say, wow, they're really out of time. <laughs> George, could you just turn the click track on for me? I control it from next to me on my iPhone. It sounds like this. So there's one that's higher than the rest. So one, two, Three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, 
four. So that's the loudest sound that I hear in my ears. I used to have like a robotic voice. That got super annoying. So one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So, so that's so that we can all stay in time together. Everybody hears it except for the singers. Because <laughs> they don't have in-ears. And so what happens is sometimes we'll all be playing and we can hear the beat and, and then we'll, we'll come to a rest part. That's where everybody sort of stops or goes quiet, takes a moment to rest. It's literally called a rest in music. What happens is the singers sometimes, uh, they're normally very good, but because they can't hear the click track, they're not aware of the rhythm, they come in a bit too soon. They're a bit eager. And so what happens is we'll be going one, two, three, four, and they're meant to come in on one. If they come in on four, Barry, can you just play it again? So, so one, two, three, four. One, two, three, one, two, three, four, one. So, and then it's completely out of whack. And we're all hearing the wrong thing. And, but they don't know. So we all have to catch up. We're like playing extra beats to try and catch up with them. And I'm trying to stop the click track and restart it again. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep this going, okay? This is going to be my illustration. This side of the room, could you just stamp your foot with the beat? Don't stamp with the people to the left and the right of you. Stamp with the music. You turn it up a bit. <laughs> okay, very good. You guys are going to clap. And together, we're all going to sing. Three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two. Okay, just stop for a second. It's hard, isn't it? What we're going to do is we're going to implement the Sabbath on our music. So we're going to go. One, two, three. One, two, three. Rest. One, two, three. One, two, three. Okay, let's go together. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Okay, stop for a second. This is what happens when the whole rhythm of creation is going on around you. You're designed to be a part of the rhythm. Okay, and you decide, well, actually, I don't need rest. I don't need it, uh, and I'm going to carry on going, and it will all be fine. One, two, three. Carry on. I'll show you. I'll show you. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six. Oh, that's called a nervous breakdown. Thank you, Barry. When we ignore our rhythm, we will burn out. We're created to be a part of the rhythm. We have a rhythm. We're created with a rhythm. That rhythm is six days on, one day off. Principle number two is learn to receive. 
pay close attention. This is a piece of wisdom that I received and has changed my life. So lean in, lean forwards in your chairs as if you're ready to receive something. Come on. All the teenagers are like, ugh, lame. <laughs> There's only one teenager. <laughs> okay. No, that's not true. If your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. If your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. Okay, so you can lean back and turn to the person next to you and say this. If your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. You see, high school students and university students understand this very well. Because you have assignments and tests and exams, and they're a clear sign of your output. You have to put out what is on the inside of you. Your lessons, your lectures, your reading, your study is input. Okay, so if, have you ever tried to do an assignment or a test when you haven't been in class for a long time, you haven't done any study, you haven't done any reading, and all you're going on is your general knowledge and your sort of wispy, I think I know a little bit about Tutankhamun, I could probably make something up. You go into the assignment or the test and you just write. It's BSing, right? And, and we've all done it before. I've done it before. I don't know if you've done it before. I've definitely done it before. I know what it feels like, you see. What you're doing is you're outputting without any input. If you carry, you might get away with it once. I bet your teacher's going to read that and think to themselves, they have clearly not done any research, but I'll give them some marks for effort. If you keep that up over a three-year university degree and you decide, hey, <laughs> I know enough about ancient history, I've sort of heard some things, the class is going to be learning on and on inputting themselves, reading and studying and going to lectures. The more and more tests that you have to do, the more worn out you'll become. You'll be pulling on all of the same revelations, all of the same information that you've had over time and trying to rehash it <laughs> to be exciting. And your upkeep will be your downfall. You see, your output is whatever burns your fuel. Your input is whatever gives you fuel. You see, when I preach, that's me outputting. To have something to give you, I have to have some input. Otherwise, I'm going to be preaching the same message that I preached five, ten years ago. I wasn't preaching ten years ago, so there wouldn't be much to say. <laughs> I have to spend time in the Word. I have to spend time in prayer, time reading books, listening to other preaching so that I have something to give out. When we disciple people, you have to have something to give. And so for that, we need someone to be discipling us. We need someone to be speaking into our life, to be praying for us, setting an example to us, spending time with God, spending time in the Word, in prayer. We're going to do something fancy. We're going to get my iPad up on the screen. This is how Pastor Phil illustrates this.
Ah, here's you, okay? You got an odd-shaped head. So you get that checked out. And really small legs. <laughs> and your left arm is much longer than your right arm. <laughs> You're a funny-looking fellow, aren't you? Here's your output. All the things that you give out that drain your energy. Some of us, our input is like this. As soon as you see that diagram, I just look at that and I think, that's so obvious and so stupid. How can we think that we can be continuing to output, to give of ourselves and to give of God when we don't have input? If your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. Fantastic. <laughs> Whatever you do, whether it's in church, in business, in school, we need to learn to receive as well as to give. We need to learn to increase our input. We need to learn to refuel ourselves with, with wisdom and knowledge and anointing and fellowship and worship. The Sabbath is one of the things that allows us to do that. Principle number three, learn to reschedule. Who controls your time? That's the question for this morning. To follow God's will, sometimes we need to learn to reschedule our lives. See, we know we should be doing all this stuff, but sometimes... Who's ever said, I, can't, I just can't find the time? I just can't find the time. If we don't live by priorities, then we'll live by pressures. God gives you only enough time to do his will. God gives you only enough time to do his will. No more and no less. And so if you don't have enough time then what you're doing is either A, not God's will, or B, it is God's will, but somebody else should be doing it. So, so if we don't have enough time to be doing the things we know we should be doing, we have to look at what we're doing and say, well, is that God's will? If it's yes, it's should I be doing it? Or is that the responsibility of somebody else? We have heard time is money. Who's heard that? In many ways, time is like money. Like a tithe that we heard about this morning, we can give God the first part of the first day of our week as a reminder to say that, God, you are first in my life. Like money, none of us seem to have enough time. We've all heard somebody say, there just aren't enough hours in the day. Have you ever had somebody claim that they've run out of money and they need a higher paying job? I get that quite a lot. And I look at the people and I think that's interesting because I know that you earn a lot more than I do and we're fine. So what are you doing? They say, oh, I just got no money. I'm going to talk to the boss about a promotion or like a, a pay rise because I just, I can't, I, I've, I haven't got enough. 
Money problems aren't fixed by more money. If you have more money and you had money problems, you'll just have more money and more money problems. Money problems are fixed by money management. When you call up my budget, because you can't pay your bills, they don't say, okay, Mr. Skinner, uh, just give us the phone number of your boss and we'll negotiate a pay rise for you. No, they say, okay, Mr. Skinner, hand over all of your money to us and we'll manage it better for you. It's the same with time. If you don't have enough time, you don't need more time. You need better time management. Maybe you need to improve your skills with the calendar. Maybe you need to start adding things into your calendar that you thought were insignificant, like reading a book or taking a nap or spending some time alone with God. Maybe you need to learn to say no to some things so that you'll be free for others. Maybe you need to reevaluate your priorities and adjust your schedule accordingly. Here's the most encouraging thing about all of this. When we come to the New Testament and we meet Jesus, the Son of God, here's what he says. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke was one of those pieces of wood that sort of sat over your shoulders and you, you could hang buckets from it and carry things like that on your shoulders. So he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you is light. Here's, here's what comes to me out of that scripture. He says his burden is easy and his yoke is light. So if your burden this morning, if the burden that you feel on your life is not easy, if your yoke is not light, then it's not from him. He says my, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. So if your burden isn't easy and your yoke is not light, then it's not from him. The wonderful thing is that he says, hand over your heavy burdens. And so when we get this picture of taking on Jesus' yoke, if you can imagine wearing a piece of wood over your shoulders to carry things with, and you move around with it like that, if Jesus says, hey, take my yoke, you're not going to say, all right, put it on top of everything else, are you? It won't fit. To accept Jesus' yoke, first we have to take off the yoke, the burden that we have carried. And then we can put on his yoke. That's all of our old beliefs, all of our old ways of doing things, our old way of thinking. They are the heavy burdens that we carry. You see, Jesus died on the cross for all of us so that we could be free from our old ways, free from those heavy burdens. Often, before we, find, before we can find rest in the Sabbath, we first need to find rest in Jesus. On the cross, when he died, he bought our comfort and our rest. 
He made our burdens and our yokes light and easy. So he's already paid the price for the exchange that you make between your old ways and your new ways. He promises to give us rest. All we need to do is come to him. Come to him so that we can have his rest. And I would actually like to give people an opportunity this morning. If you're here and and you would like to make the decision to say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and I want to accept your yoke that's light and that's easy. George, can I get you on the keys? If you would like to say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart so that I can experience your rest, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? You know, maybe you, maybe you can see something in, in the Christians that you know that you admire. I know of quite a few people who, before they came to Christ, before they asked Jesus into their heart, they could see in the life of somebody else, there's something different about you. And some of them were brave enough to say, hey, there's something different about you. I want that for me. What's different is Jesus. It's having Jesus on the inside of you. And so you can have that for yourself. All you need to do is ask Jesus to come and be in your life. Maybe in a place like this, you can feel the atmosphere when, when people pray or when people worship. Maybe you can feel the atmosphere and you like the way that it feels. Well, you can actually have that for yourself. Because that atmosphere comes from the Holy Spirit that's in this place. It's in His people. And you can have that for yourself by asking Him to come into your life. So if you're here this morning and you would like to ask Jesus to come into your life then I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that I'm going to ask you to raise your hand I'll see the hand, you can put it back down again and then we can pray together it's a very simple prayer all it is is to just ask him to come into your life to turn away from your old ways and begin to follow him if you're here this morning and you would like to do that would you raise your hand now If you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else who wants to ask Jesus to come into their life? He loves us. He loves you. He loves you so much. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to give you rest. Is there anybody else this morning? Fantastic. Would you stand with me?
we're going to all pray together, but I would like to ask that person who put their hand up, if you would come to the front with me and we'll pray together to ask Jesus to come into your life. Would you come? Let's, let's, get, let's give them a hand as they come. Let's welcome them. Fantastic. Love it. Awesome. That's such a great decision. Hey, we're going to all pray this together. Would you close your eyes? You can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I'm putting aside all of my old ways and from this day forward I will follow you. I thank you for dying on the cross for me and I accept you as my Lord and my Saviour. In Jesus' name, Amen. Fantastic. Church, we're going to do something else before we finish. If you have a heavy burden, if you have a yoke that you're carrying, we're going to just spend some time in worship, give you the opportunity to find your rest in God, to find your rest in Jesus. We're going to sing a song together. And would you just, with me, close your eyes, lift your hands, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you that we can find our rest in you. Scripture says that you give strength to the weary. Jesus said that anyone who has a heavy burden or who is weary, we should come to you. And so this morning, we come to you, God. We come to you, Jesus. We want to rest in your presence. And I pray, Father, that as we worship, that you would lift burdens off people's shoulders. That you would lift off old ways of doing things, old ways of thinking. As we give them over to you, that you would replace them with a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. We thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and minister to us. In Jesus' name. Thank you.